Justin, what if I told you that the Carolina Hurricanes beat the Los Angeles Kings so bad that they were then forced to trade for a defenseman? And that defenseman was Dion Phaneuf. <laughs> You're listening to the Canes Country Podcast with Brett Finger, Justin Lake, and Kyle Morton. Wait, you're telling me that's actually a reality? Yeah. Go Kings. Go Kings, go. <laughs> go Kings, go. Wow. So, yeah, Dion Phaneuf and Nate Thompson to L.A. for Marion Gabrick and Drew Shore. So then for the contract situation, you have Phaneuf at three more years for $7 million per year, and you have Gabrick going the other way to a semi, I guess, rebuilding Ottawa team. Three years left. At four point eight seven five million, who won this trade, Brett? <laughs> did anybody? Um, no, no one did. The weird part about this was, yeah, it there was no feelers out there that you know Ottawa was going to make a move to get rid of Dion Phaneuf. Uh, I mean, I know the, that the it's, assumption was that that contract is just too much, and I guess that's why they had to retain so much salary. I don't know. It's for a team that's not going to be able to re-sign Eric Carlson in you know a year. I I don't know. I just I it doesn't make sense because I, I just feel like you're going to lose out on the bidding war, and then you're stuck with a retained Dion Phaneuf salary. And I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. Marion Gabrick at this point in his career, not as exciting. Marion Gabrick yeah, three years ago, that's a steal. <laughs> yeah. So. I don't know. Yeah, it's a very, very weird trade. Um, I don't know if it really tells if you're a Kings fan. I don't know if it says, you know, hey, hey, here's the playoff push. You know, this is our <laughs> this is our guy that's going to get us back to 2012 and 2014 glory. Poor yeah. Kings fans. They get yeah. they get roasted by Carolina. And right after they get they get that loss, then they have to learn about this trade. That's just that sucks. And why does it always seem that teams make rash decisions after they get blown out by us? Look at <laughs> look at Florida, Gerard Gallant going in a cab. Well, it makes now, sense. <laughs> now they force Dion Phaneuf into L.A.? Oh, man, that's that's tough. <laughs> that's tough. People really overreact to losses to us. The City of Angels and Dion Phaneuf. City of Phaneuf. Speaking oh, of making, dip, or making changes, though, Carolina did something pretty interesting this week. Um Marcus Kruger and Josh Joris, the I guess the scapegoats of a few consecutive bad losses. Um, they lost three in a row on the homestand after a decent start, and Bill Peters uh, was not very happy, as I'm sure you've probably heard. He um, he aired his grievances after the San Jose game about his his team's lack of 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 buy-in, lack of you know, desperation, so to speak, and that's really gathered a lot of national attention from the likes of Sportsnet and TSN and Bob McKenzie and all those people. And Marcus Kruger and Josh Juris passed through waivers pretty unsurprisingly, and they're in Charlotte now. And now there's two roster spots open. What kind of message does that send to this team? Well, I don't think it sends the right message yet because last night after the Kings game, you call up Patrick Brown. Oh, and that's stop it. that's not the guy that you know. If you're going to send a message, we need some offensive help. We need some lower uh, end production from our bottom six. 
You don't call up Patrick Brown. I disagree. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, I think it sends the right message to an underperforming Kruger and an underperforming Josh Juris. They had a pretty decent start to the season, but since probably December, they haven't been the same players, I guess. But but here's the thing, though. Patrick Brown's not going to play. Yeah. He's probably going to press blocks. I mean, they have... They're going to go out. Where do they play next? They play in in New, New Jersey. So they play in New Jersey on Thursday. I'm willing to to bet you that he is only being brought up because A, Charlotte won't miss anything from him. And B, we're not going to be pulling up somebody from Charlotte who can contribute down there. And we're just going to have the extra body just in case because you can't go on a road trip without an extra forward. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, they're not going to change up the lineups. They're not going to put him in. I would be shocked if they did. If this was a move to, to really add offense, then, then yeah, this would be stupid. But I have no doubt that it's just, you know, we have we need an extra guy. Who can we pull up? Because whoever's going to be sitting in the press box in New Jersey, I mean, you don't want it to be Valentin Zikoff who can be contributing in Charlotte or someone else, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I okay, I see that. But I don't know, yeah. There was also kind of i talked to brian last night and he he thought that possibly maybe someone could be hurt too don't know what do you think i don't want to float things out there that aren't true but speculation Speculation. Um, i i I don't think personally that that's why they did it um Mm -hmm. i feel like if there was somebody hurt and they couldn't play they would have brought up two players and you know because ultimately what it comes down to is you can't i i don't feel comfortable with them going on the road and then something wacky happens like in morning skate someone gets hurt in new jersey and then you're a few hours from puck drop and you're like okay especially with them playing a back-to-back because if you're playing 11 forwards on the front end of a back-to-back with travel that's asking for trouble in the second half because your players are going to be even more tired than they would have been and that's a big game the next night against the Islanders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Charlotte is fine. They scored 13 goals and yeah, allowed they're, they're zero fine. in two games. So <laughs> I, I think they're okay. Um, but, yeah, it's good to see them get back on track. They they had a rough January. They had a pretty rough January. So, um, yeah, let's let's keep our fingers crossed for the checkers too. But, uh, no, this, this move, sending Kruger and Juris down, got some attention in – Elliot Friedman's 31 thoughts, and he said that bearing two million or around that uh, in the AHL and Kruger and Juris uh, would have been extremely unlikely to happen under Peter Carmanos, and described it as a new way of doing business for the organization, maybe the Dundon effect. Um, he <laughs> he added that uh, Bill Peters may also start having a greater say in roster decisions. Is that a good thing, or is it not going to happen because Ron Francis is Kevin Day off 2.0? Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if Peters starts having more say in roster decisions, I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. I think some people in this organization, you know, like Peters, like Francis, maybe get a bad rap at times. But when it comes down to it, these people... They're not stupid. 
And, you know, if, if Peters can have a bigger say in what's going on with his roster, because until it changes, Bill Peters is the head coach of this team, and he knows what players are going to be best for this system. And as inconsistent as they have been as a team under Bill Peters this year, um, we've seen that when they play the way that Bill Peters wants them to play, they're successful. You know, having the players in place that, that allow that to happen makes sense. And Kruger and Juris, I, I don't think that they were the problem, but I think that it's an example of, hey, if you can't carry your weight offensively, you're you're gone. Mm-hmm. You know, you, we're not going to keep on putting you out on the ice if, if you're just going to be a black hole of offense like Marcus Kruger is. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I projected him to score 30 points <laughs> this year. You Let's calm down now. 30. In our in our bold <laughs> predictions for Kane's yeah. country, we do it every year. Um, I was feeling gutsy and said 30 wait, points wait, for wait. Marcus Kruger. You, he had, I believe, six. He had so. six in 48 games. But wow. wait, wait, I have something even better. My bold prediction was that Tavo Teravina would lead the team in points and come near 70 points. So There's a chance yeah. he can do that, right? He's There's, on pace he's on to do pace. that. He's on, on pace. pace to do that. But so. we also know that Tavo's streaky too, so nah. I don't know. <laughs> Tavo Teravine and streaky. Maybe a little bit. No. Um well I didn't see the disclaimer was that if Kruger was moved to the AHL, those points count too. Oh, yeah? so I don't think he's gonna get there regardless. That's where I was wrong. I so. looked, I looked, and the first game they were down there, they won six or seven to nothing, and Marcus Kruger had zero points. So Yep. And yep. Juris had an assist, so good for hey, him. He's he's a good old Canadian boy. No, he's not even Canadian. He's Swedish. <laughs> what? Swedish. <laughs> good old Swedish boy. Okay, but back to Peters having a greater say in roster decisions. Um, for me, that worries me a little bit. I think that he also is a big fan of like yeah. You know, a good play. He he has a Babcock style of yeah. Approaching. He's he's from the he's, Babcock tree. He's from the Babcock tree. Yeah, exactly. So my my worry is that there's going to be. I mean, there's no secret. It seems that Peters and Jeff Skinner aren't the best of buddies. There's there there seems to be conflicting uh, styles. This. Yeah, there's Skinner is kind of a wheeler and dealer. He's he he's great creative with the puck. He's an offensive minded forward. You it's hard to teach somebody that is only thinking goal, goal, goal to say, hey, back check. You know what? Just you know be what? Offensively you know responsible. What? You know what? You know what they are. Jeff Skinner is an old west gunslinger, and Bill Peters is the sheriff in town. The sheriff. That's looking to. <laughs> Stop them, you know. That's what yeah. So I don't know. It it worries me. I I think that yeah. Again, Peters knows the system that he wants, and again, when they do play um, the way he wants to, they can they succeed. But that that just worries me a little bit about you know just moving out a franchise player for the sake that he doesn't like to back check as much. Um, I just don't think any. I'm not saying that Peters would trade Skinner or ask for them to trade Skinner but I'm saying there there's been reports out there that there's a rift forming between them um I think TSN reported it um you you gotta let him be creative he is your franchise player he's somebody you continue to build around um 
I, I think that you, no trade getting rid of him would replace his already gold production, it, the way he drives play. Um, it would take a few years to get that back. And it's just, I feel like it'd be whatever, like two steps back, not even a step forward. I don't know. I I don't really buy the the TSN reports. Uh, I think it's Frank Saravalli who added them to Are you to calling the, Canadian media liars? I'm calling <laughs> I'm calling BS. I'm I don't believe them. I I think the like the growing rift that that Frank Saravalli of TSN was was talking about. I think that's more of an assumption on his part. And then Bob McKenzie even said that Carolina is not going to trade Skinner unless something crazy happens. And we've seen that Skinner can be successful under Bill Peters. And to be fair to Bill Peters, which I usually am not, but I will be here. Um, Skinner hasn't been playing a sound two-way game whatsoever for most of the season. And you're seeing him make great defensive plays lately that result in him getting points. I think it was the Vancouver game where he, at the end of the shift, he's tired, he breaks up the play from Vancouver at center ice, feeds Justin Williams, who came in and scored to make it 4-1. to one. Um, You know, just plays like that where he where he makes a difference and where he's, you know, dogging people on the forecheck, you know, he's back-checking hard, and, and he's fully committed to the game. I think that he's a great player, and he can fit in any system, um, even Bill Peters' system. But, but at the same time, I think there's more to give from both sides. I think Bill Peters needs to, you know, give Skinner a little bit more leeway. And I think Jeff Skinner needs to provide more consistent two-way effort. So yeah, I, I think there's a happy medium there. And mm-hmm. if they can hit it, I think that they'll be totally fine. And Jeff Skinner can be a 30-ish goal scorer and, and be an impact player. Um, speaking of such, did you see... His, well, both of his goals against Los Angeles were absolutely filthy. That fake yeah. slap shot and then wristing it home. And then he was very <laughs> fired up after that backhand chip over uh, Zach Koff. Uh, oh, he, no, Kemper, Kemper. Kemper, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm Kemper. sorry. Darcy Kemper. Yeah. Household yeah. name Darcy Kemper. Darcy Kemper. He was the world's he was greatest fired up. Skinner was yeah. fired up. He was yelling. Yeah, at that was that was a that was a great play. Uh, yeah, yeah it, that was that was rookie year Jeff Skinner where he was, was just fantastic. he was just throwing shots up and th- yeah that was beautiful. A uh, little stick handle and then flips it over a sliding player and over the shoulder. I mean that's just that's just not many players can do that. We haven't even addressed the fact that Justin Falk got a hat trick. Yeah, uh, yeah, Justin Falk with a hat trick <laughs> a day after. Brian assigns me to write an article that um, basically says, <laughs> don't trade him, but he hasn't been good. And yes. then he, I'm, I'm assuming he read it. Yeah, um, he did. Justin Falk with a hat trick. I don't, he, has he had one before? Nope, he has not. Wow, wow. So, he scores yeah. a lot of goals, but never He does score a lot of goals. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it was, it was the classic Justin Falk we wanted. I mean, just firing from just the point. Bombs from the point. Bombs from the point. That's all, that's all we need. You know, set him up. Fire from the and then get in front of the net, maybe tip it. Um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a good game from him. That's um, yeah. I know he was very fired up about it, especially after that second goal. He, you know, like punched the air. And <laughs> yeah, stuff. that's yeah, that's, was, his, that's his go to. I love that. Yeah, that's when you so, know Justin's uh, hype yeah. and in in the game. Um, um, if we can keep that going. Uh, that would be nice. Um, but also, I think 
you know, lost in this flurry of goals was a beautiful, beautiful play by Jacob Slavin mm-hmm. for the first goal oh, of the yeah. game. Oh, yeah. Kicks it off his own skate, leads him, and then uh, kind of just flips a backhand over. Yeah. I mean, that was, again, that's something not many defensemen can do. Um, and it's good to see from Jacob Slavin, who, you know, He's still our, one of our favorites here oh, uh, of course. in Kate's country, but he has not been great as of late. Um, maybe this is a game that kind of wakes up the back end and um, gets a little more offensive production from their side. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a really big game for, for Falk because if you can get Justin Falk going, then you're adding a 15-goal scorer to your team. So any way that they can do that and and maybe last night was was a sign of Justin Falk returning to to what he needs to do offensively then i think that sets them up pretty well and and if Hayden Flurry can can get it together uh i think he's been playing a little bit better recently um i think overall it's been a pretty disappointing rookie year for him you know i think it really comes down to finding a partner for Justin Falk who can who can cover up for his mistakes and be consistent at five on five, very similar to, to how Ron Hainsey was. The only thing that concerns me about acquiring a defenseman, especially around the trade deadline, you can see how prices inflate a player like Ron Hainsey Mm -hmm. in the off season gets a fourth and a low end prospect. Maybe, uh, at the trade deadline, a player like Ron Hainsey gets a second round pick. (laughs) Mm hmm. Prices are inflated <clears throat> around that time. I don't know. I don't. I don't think like a few, you know, decent games of offense puts away the fact that they could use a top nine forward if they're yeah. serious about this playoff push. You're not going to get an argument um, for me about that for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, whether you can acquire, you know, a defensive defenseman style stay-at-home guy Dion in the offseason. Yes, like <laughs> Dion Phaneuf. Um, that's who we need, especially in a Noah Hannafin contract year. Yes. So quickly, talk to L.A. before they change their mind. Um, I don't think it would take too so, much convincing. No, no. And we retain even more. <laughs> they, they retain salary, too. Yeah. yeah. So you're only getting half of Phaneuf's contract. Would you do Which that, Which is still though? way too would much. You do that? <laughs> that's still way too much. At $3.5 million per For year. three would you years? Take, yeah. Gross. Uh, Too many defensive lapses. But anyway, um, yeah, I I think that, you know, top nine forwards, the more desperate need down the stretch. Um, But yeah, I mean, having Falk's production back is nice. Um, If he can keep it up consistently, let's not get, you know, woo, he had a hat trick. But yeah, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's it's time to focus on that. But yeah, um, with the team that's playing well, you don't know whether to make a move right away. Um, I guess these these final few games before the deadline will will uh, determine what they do. But after a five two and one homestand, um, they're putting themselves in some good position. Would you say? Yeah, playoff spot on February fourteenth. Happy Valentine's Day. Um, Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. We love you. We love you all. Um, yes. It might be Valentine's Day, but. It's not Valentine's Day yet, as uh, Valentin uh, Zikov remains uh, in the minors. Um, there, there's been a lot of controversy around Zikov and Fogel and Sorella and Walmart and how they're not on this team yet. What do you make of all of that? Um, I don't think it's a risk that Peters or Francis wants to take. 
um, with a team that is, okay, first currently playing well in the past eight games, obviously, um, and is floating around a playoff spot, I don't know if they want to get younger. I don't know if that's the move they want to make. Um, when you head into the offseason, come back for training camp, then maybe you take a harder look at Zikoff, Fogel, Sorella, Walmart. Um, but I don't know if it's something that, unless they're forced to do because of injury, I don't know if it's a risk they want to take uh, or if they see that it's going to translate immediately to instant offensive help. If you can do that and not have to give up anything this deadline, <laughs> but you get a, you know, a let's say a five to ten goal score the rest of the way. Oh my gosh! I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. that's perfect. Um, but I I just think that with Peter's apprehension with younger players, um, it doesn't seem likely, um, unless again they're forced to do it. Yeah, I'm torn because you know a lot of people are upset about it, and I get it. And I even tweeted a few days ago. <laughs> this was before the Colorado game. And this was after Bill Peters was like, okay, we're going to make our, off- our our team as offensively capable as possible. And I tweeted that the Hurricanes have, or the Charlotte Checkers have three of the top 20 goal scorers in the AHL. Meanwhile, Phil DiGiuseppe has one point in his last 30 games. And then, of course, two hours later, he scores his first NHL goal in literally two calendar years. But that's fine. <laughs> I'm with you. I, I think that ultimately I don't see Zikoff, Fogel, or Sorella as being a difference between the Hurricanes making and missing the playoffs. I really mm-hmm. don't. Zikoff has had a great year. He has a crazy high shooting percentage. I don't know if he's quick enough, but he might be. And he, he might be worth a look, be it now or in the offseason leading into next year. Just the thing with Zikoff to me is that he hasn't really shown signs before this of being a player who can be a big goal scorer. Look, Chris Terry has always been a fantastic <laughs> AHL producer, and he's never been that at the NHL level. He's been fine at times. He's been bad a lot. And I don't. I just don't think that I'm sold as much as some other people are on Zekov. If he can be that guy, if he can be a power forward type of guy and be a middle six forward in the NHL, that would be awesome. But I I just don't know if he is. I think Fogel, Sorella, and Walmark are different though. Because look, Fogel, he was a an under the radar type of draft pick. And ever since he got drafted, he's been a performer. He he shows up in the OHL playoffs. He was the MVP of the playoffs. This year, he leads all AHL rookies in goals. He's twenty one years old. He's really fast. He's really talented. He kills penalties. I think there's a future for him. Sorella is, you know, he has the skill and the the offensive impact that you were looking for. Sorella's a guy that could have been a first-round draft pick in his draft year, but he got hammered by injuries, and he's injury-played. This is one of the first years where injuries haven't been a huge issue for him, and he's played well. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Just... I was said something and it just went off. I apologize. Continue. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, Sorella is tied for fourth among rookies with 18 goals. 
Walmart has 34 points in 32 games. I've liked what he's done at the NHL level. I think there's a future for potentially all of them, but I, I don't see them as difference makers right now. Yeah, I, I like Fogel's play a lot, um, but I don't think it's something you try midseason. Get a good look and maybe you know keep him up for a few preseason games uh, next year to see if he can fit in maybe a third-line center role. I don't know if he would be a good fit at fourth because he does like to shoot a lot. So I think he still has that offensive mindset. But if you can get, you know, a decent sized forward uh, at that third line center spot, I mean, I don't know. I think that gives you more freedom to kind of shape that top six how you want to and maybe let, you know, maybe get rid of a guy like Ryan. I wonder if this philosophy of rolling four lines who can score will carry over to next year. Mm-hmm. And then in that case, I think there is, I mean, it depends on what the philosophy is really. If, if you're looking for a all defensive fourth line, which I think is kind of being phased out of the league. If they, if they go for a fourth line that can score, then maybe Fogel has a place. Yeah. Um, but yes, the trade deadline is only two weeks away. Uh, Mike Hoffman, Max Pacioretty, Galchenyuk, uh, Vander Kane, who always seems to be um, <laughs> under that. Josh Levo, which is kind of – he's in a weird situation in Toronto right now where basically he's not getting the play time he thinks he deserves. Um, so whether he's added as a depth forward somewhere, don't think he's a great fit here. But um, Michael Grabner, who is supposed to pull in maybe a first-rounder, um, do you see any of these uh, players – heading to Raleigh anytime soon. Um, would you be willing to pay the price for some of these? Oh, I don't think anybody's willing to pay the price for these guys, considering that <laughs> no trades are being made right now. The The rumored prices on some of these players are just ridiculous. Um, I think there's an argument to be made for Mike Hoffman and Max Pacioretty and Alex Gauchenyuk and Michael Grabner, but I'm skeptical as to whether Ron Francis feels comfortable enough to to part ways with a first-round draft pick, at least not now. I think the conversation could be a bit different at the draft because, really, I, I don't think they're going to be making any kinds of big moves at the deadline outside of maybe trying to patchwork a few things. I, I'm not fully against parting with the first. Um, this is a interesting draft class. Um, it doesn't have any centers that you can really develop, which is, I think kind of the mindset of the brass, you would say, I guess, because especially after the Nietzsche's pick last year, um, you know, there's always a need for centers. Uh, this isn't the year for it. If you can somehow get that, uh, you know, first overall pick and end up with Dolan, oh, my gosh. I mean, I think you're set. You don't even have to draft for the next four years. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I would say it's it's – if they keep this momentum going, giving up a first for any type of player is cool by my book. Um, it shows the current core that you're serious about them and you think that they got it. Um, because I think the mindset isn't that they're going to be this team that goes in and makes the conference finals or the Stanley Cup finals. No. Mm-hmm. This is a team that hasn't hasn't got to the playoffs in eight years. They're just trying to get there. If they get swept for nothing... <laughs> You know what? Fine, fine. I, I guess I'm okay with that, but at least they got there, and it shows that they they had what it takes to get there. Um, it shows the current core you believe in them. If you go out and get a guy like an Evander Kane or Grabner or Hoffman, um, 
Yeah, I think it shows you you're serious. Uh, as for Pacioretty, asking price is a little too high for me. Galchenyuk, I would love on this team, but I think it's a team you or it's a trade you make in the off season because it's going to require a lot of moving pieces. Um, and I, I, I just don't know if he's going to be like boom, ready to go. I think he needs a you know a, a, a training camp to get used to the system and what Peters has. Um, so yeah, I, I think that you can't sit there and not do anything um if they're in a good position you know in a few games uh so yeah i think i think it's time to move some pieces and and take some risks yeah especially if they're in a playoff spot come like the end if they're in the playoff spot at the end of this weekend i think they have to yeah and i i don't think again i don't think there'll be players and maybe one of the big names uh because francis is not one to really get in a bidding war um but yeah maybe something creative comes out of it uh but yeah, I think I think maybe you go for a winger um, and worry about that. Just go all in for that first line center this offseason. Do what you got to do um, because, you know, you can't say Nietzsche is ready or if he even is a first line center. We don't know that yet. Um, it's going to take years of development and kind of figuring out his role. That's just an asset you, you worry about getting in the offseason. So yeah, play for Galchenyuk um, just doesn't seem likely or you know any other big name move but my question of the deadline is and we've been discussing this for a long time um if the islanders continue to slip oh boy do they have to make a (laughs) move john Tavares? i feel like it's a fair question because they're a team that's they're slipping they lost four to one to columbus last night they gave Um, up like 51 shots (laughs) yeah and they yeah they're 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 three points out of a playoff spot and again, they've already have one game more than anybody in front of them. So, <laughs> um, and if the Canes can, you know, get the momentum, they they beat them Thursday. Maybe beat them again Sunday. I mean, this, this could look a totally different. And I mean, that, yeah. Philly's Philly's not that far away from that third playoff spot. You're only three points down. You know, the Canes are only three points out um, with the same number of games um, played, but. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. There's some ground to make up there, but I feel like no one is truly safe in this division, maybe except Washington for now. I think Pittsburgh is in a pretty good spot as well. Man, at the end of this weekend. Yeah, it's really, it's really, this is it. When we talk, when we do this again next week, this could be totally different. We could be either really sad or like really excited. Like there, there's like, they could legitimately be comfortable in a in the first wild card spot mm-hmm. yeah with 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 some points cushion and maybe a few games in hand too so i mean shoot depending on how philly does carol they could be in the third metro spot but to circle back to your john Tavares maniacal idea crazy question <laughs> i don't think they're gonna trade him i really don't i i i really do think that it'll kind of be like a Stamkos thing like we've talked about before on July one, he'll probably sign back in New York, as in the Rangers. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> ooh! I like the chaos. I like chaos. Okay, <laughs> it's it's gonna be interesting. But there's some big games ahead this week, as you said. It could be totally different the next time we record. Uh, you got Thursday at New Jersey, uh, and that will be the first meeting between the two teams this season. That's so crazy. Uh, 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a weird. It's like game fifty-six or fifty-seven, and we haven't played the Devils. Yeah, that's and, huge. and haven't played other division opponents that many times either. Yeah. Like Philly, Philly. I think what Philly once, once maybe. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there's there's a lot of points to be earned down the stretch for sure. Um, you got Friday at the Islanders. Um, they've split the season series, and then Sunday again against New Jersey, which is a team that will most likely be out. Uh, be without um, Corey Snyder, and it looks like our good old friend Eddie Lack might be um, facing us. Goodness. Um, so, Brett, what is your reasonable week for this week? No matter how you slice it, you have to win two, at least. Um, man, where's where's at the point of the season and and where they are in the in the playoff hunt? They they gotta win these divisional games. New Jersey is looking rough. They're looking rough with Schneider out. You yeah. You gotta beat them at least once, maybe twice. I think they're gonna get three and zero this week. Wow! They're so gonna, a six yeah. game winning streak. Yeah, I think wow. they're gonna get three and zero. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna have to be. Do the it. downer of the group. That's I'm okay. gonna say two and one, and I'm gonna say they're gonna drop that Sunday game. So I think That's they're great. gonna go five straight wins. Um, I think you gotta at least get one of those New Jersey games. Come on, come on, you gotta. New Jersey, you're, yeah, you were right about New Jersey. New Jersey's about to fall out of this thing. I think. Yeah, and I think um, the more they face off against division opponents, <clears throat> you'll see that separation as well. Um, yeah, I, I will. I'll, I'll take uh, two and one this week. Uh yeah, you gotta be you gotta beat the Islanders too, especially at home. But I wouldn't be surprised as well if they could pull off a three three nothing. Um, but you know we they could have dropped all three by the next time we talk to you guys. So I don't know. Absolutely, <laughs> they could. All right, before we go, by the way, Justin, it's been very nice talking to you this week. It's been yes. a wonderful podcast. Wonderful I hope, podcast. I hope everybody agrees. Yes. Playoff odds for the Carolina Hurricanes. I'm going to send over under every week. I'm going to do this throughout the rest of the season. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, this is big. I'm going to send over under. This was like the ever popular Gucci Mane versus Hosang tweets. (laughs) Okay. We'll have to bring that back here in a few weeks. Bring that back. Maybe in April when they're, you know, when we're (laughs) just watching playoff hockey. They're watching everybody else play hockey. Um, Carolina Hurricanes playoff odds over under 56%. Oh man, I'll take, I'll take the fifty six. I'll take the fifty six. I think that's not how this works. You have to go over I, or I, under. Oh, that's tough though. <laughs> um, okay, I will say marginally, marginally, very small amount over. I'll take fifty seven or fifty eight percent. Okay. Again, <laughs> this is a team that we've seen what they can be when they're playing well. And we can see them drop games that they shouldn't have dropped. Um, I think one that definitely comes to mind in the recent stretch was that Detroit game, a four-one loss. I mean, you, I don't know. Again, they're a very streaky team, but I like the way they're playing now. Um, if they, if their stock is high as they head into the the deadline, you add a player, um, which could you know help get the team even more excited about what they can be. Um, but again. Just the goaltending situation still worries me a little bit. Um, 
I don't, again, if you ride Cam Ward for too long, you can see how he can be bad. Um, I like the way Darling played recently. Good game from him. Um, but yeah, I, I'll, I'll take I'll take the 58% range. I mean, shoot, I, I said they were going to go 3-0 this week. Um, I'll double down. I'll say over as well. Okay. All the reasons you said. Um, but again, a week from now, it could be 70%. It yeah, could be, good. It could be forty-two percent. It could be thirty yeah. percent. If Who if knows? they lose all three, they're hitting thirty. They're if hitting they win, 30. if they win all three, you're going seventy percent, and you're already reserving your playoff tickets. I mean, yes. I don't know. I don't know. It's they're again they're a super streaky team. But we'll, Justin, we'll, we'll definitely see after this week. There's optimism. It's it's mid February, yeah. and damn it, we're optimistic. Kind of. Yeah. It's not it's not a normal February where they crashed and burn and then they have a hot march and they ruin get our hopes up stock. and stuff. They ruin their draft stock, yeah. <laughs> oh, you go from a top five to a, an eleventh pick. So <laughs> shout out to Ryan Murphy at eleven was that eleven or twelve? I think it was twelve. Uh, 12. It was 12. twelve. Yeah. Shout out to Ryan Murphy. Thanks, Ryan. Hope you're, hope you're listening, buddy. Um but yes, thank you for joining us. For the Canes Country Podcast, uh, you can follow us at Canes Country on Twitter. Also, like us on Facebook. And you can go to Canes Country Picks, P-I-X, on Instagram. We never drop that, but we should because yes. J- Jamie takes some great photos. Yes, she does. And you can follow me at Lanky Lape on Twitter. And then Brett? At Brett Finger, B-R-E-T-T-F-I-N-G-E-R. Definitely go check out what we have cooking at Canes Country. And definitely go... Subscribe on Google Play Store and on iTunes and leave a review. Yes, don't forget to leave a review because the Jordan Stahl picture, we need one more review and then we'll give it away. One yeah. more review. So um, I, I'm a man of my word. I, I promise that that would be given up. <laughs> Definitely review um, and be honest. You know what? If you if you think we're five star worthy, that's okay. But if you think we're you know three star, then that means we got room to improve. But tell us why. Tell us why. There we go. Yes. So, yes, thank you for listening, and have a great week. Bye.